Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Is healthcare a right or a privilege? This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. The well-off live in better houses and drive better cars than the less well-off. What's all this crying about healthcare? I went to the doctor. I said, doctor, it hurts when I do that. He said, don't do that. Aren't people morally entitled to health care? Man goes to a psychiatrist and nobody talks to me. He says, next. How much health care? At what cost? To whom? Not a fellow goes to a psychiatrist. He says, you're crazy. He says, I want a second opinion. You're ugly, too. Health care. Free market commodity or public good? Our guest is Lawrence Baker from the Stanford School of Medicine. I said, Doc, my foot hurts. What did I do for this? He said, limp. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, healthcare, right or privilege? Snappy title, Ken, but unclear and confused, I think. I mean, in the American context, there are two clear categories of rights. The Declaration of Independence gives us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Bill of Rights in the Constitution gives us an enumeration of things the government can't do to us. It can't close down our printing press or take away our guns or kill us without due process. I don't see how you can get a right to health care out of any of that. Such a right is an obligation on other people to provide us with doctors, nurses, or pills. Neither the Declaration nor the Constitution has anything to say about that. Well, right. So the health care is not a constitutionally guaranteed political right. That's certainly true. But maybe it'll help to frame the issue in terms of t- entitlement, moral or legal entitlement. I mean, uh, given that in our society, health care is widely available, supported by our taxes in various ways, that our country is rich, shouldn't there be laws that entitle us to at least a basic level of health care? I mean, I think it's this conception of right, moral right, legal entitlement that's at issue. That's good. I agree. Okay. But it's still a little unclear. I mean, everyone would agree that you shouldn't be denied health care on account of race or religion, se- ethnic origin, or sexual orientation. Maybe everyone wouldn't agree, but most people would. But the question is, can you be denied health care because you don't have any money to pay for it? Well, you're right. That is the kind of question that we're that we're asking. And even if you put it that way, it's still not so clear. Because what exactly does it mean? I mean, does it mean that you have a right to health care even though you can't pay for it? But, I mean, you still get billed and have to deal with it one way or another eventually? I mean, that's, that's pretty much the current situation. If you're broke, you can go to an emergency room of a publicly supported hospital and get taken care of for sure. But then maybe you get a bill for $20,000 a month later. Or does the right to Healthcare mean that it's basically free in the sense of covered by taxes with no debt or no large out-of-pocket uh, expenses to the recipient. That, that's the way it is in some other countries. As I understand the bills before Congress, even if they pass, it won't be the way it is in other countries. Uh, it's going to be an amendment to the way it is now. Uh, you will have a right to get health care. You don't have to pay for it up front. You still have to pay for it, and you'll still be in debt for what you get except for one thing. And that's insurance. Right, right. The big new change, and as currently contemplated, is it's not going to be a right. There's not going to be a right, but a duty everyone has 
to have health insurance. So it seems to be that we have a right to health care without paying cash out of hand, but we have a duty to be able to pay for it, and that means for most of us, having insurance. Ah, and there's the rub, and if we rub hard enough, maybe we can squeeze a right out of it. You can't have a duty to buy insurance unless there's insurance you can buy. And right now, we, we, we don't all have the ability to buy insurance. Some people can't buy insurance at all, no matter how much they can pay, and others can't buy decent insurance at a reasonable price. So if the plan is to make sense, the duty to have insurance will be paired with an affordable, available insurance for everyone, an entitlement or a right. Yeah, so our new right won't be a right to health care per se, but to affordable insurance. At least that's the outcome that some people are hoping for. So in Western Europe and in Canada, they handle it pretty straightforwardly and simple. People, by and large, have health care covered by taxes. We'll have something discombobulated, roundabout, typically American, health care covered by insurance, a duty to buy insurance, and we hope a right to affordable insurance but, to buy. you know, that still leaves a lot unsettled. I mean, uh, I mean, given that I have the right to health care, the duty to buy insurance to pay for the health care I get, and the right to have affordable insurance, still there's the issue of what level of health care I'm entitled to. I mean, we include a lot of things under health care, from setting broken arms to stitching up a child's wound to 10 years of psychotherapy for a philosopher with writer's block. I don't think don't personal about your colleagues there, Ken. <laughs> Consider the analogy with education. Rightly or wrongly, the present situation is that everybody's entitled to a high school education in America that covers basic subjects. But some people who live in richer school districts or go to private schools, or uh, uh, they, they get smaller classes. They get a wider variety of subjects. Now, do we have a right or entitlement to basic health care, but if you can pay more, you get more? Or does everyone have a right to the health care that's equal to everyone else's? Yeah, John, at the beginning, it sounded so simple. Health care, right or privilege, but it's a mess. And I think we need some help with this mess. Yeah, help. Is there a doctor in the house? Is there an economist in the house? Yes. Lawrence Baker, a professor of health research and policy, will join us soon. And we want our listeners to join in, too. The number to call is 1-800-525-9917. That's 1-800-525-9917. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, looks at what happens when someone has neither the right nor the privilege of health care. She files this report. For Michael Lee, having health insurance was always a priority. After finishing college on the East Coast, he bought a short-term policy covering catastrophic injury or illness and headed west to Portland. My mother's, you always have to have health insurance ethic had really been grinded into my brain at that point. And so basically I was spending probably 300 of the $1,000 I had in my bank account. Once there, he started looking around for a more permanent solution. So somebody told me there's something here called the Oregon Health Plan. It's health insurance for poor people or for people without a lot of money. And I was like, no way. That's crazy. Lee applied and was asked to verify his income from the past three months. My last three months income was zero. So I got signed up for the Oregon Health Plan and it was great. Lee says he didn't use the coverage much, except to get some dental work done. Soon, though, his part-time jobs started to pay enough to push him over the income limits. I was making about you know $10,000, $11,000 a year, and they were saying if you're making more than $9,000 a year, you're not qualified, which is really absurd. Absurd, he says, because his earnings were nowhere near sufficient to purchase health insurance on the private market. And that's part of why I felt fine telling them that my income was lower than it actually was because I was poor and this health plan, the Oregon health plan, was designed for poor people 
So I would just really work around the margins of the eligibility system, not report some income. Eventually, Lee got a phone call from a health plan representative who said he would be disenrolled from the program. And I started pleading with her. I was like, you know, I I don't have any money. What am I going to do? I need health insurance. I was kind of freaking out. And she said, I wish I could help you. I really do. And that was the end of my enrollment on the Oregon Health Plan. The Oregon Department of Human Services allocates significant resources towards what it calls program integrity, making sure the people on the plan are the ones it's intended to serve. Program manager Karen House says being even slightly over the income requirements is enough to disqualify you. Because of funding limitations and and budget limitations, we are not able to cover all the individuals that we would like to be able to cover, all, all those who would be who are currently uninsured. She says if a lot of people did what Michael Lee did, it could overwhelm the system. Because of the limited funding, I mean, it could be that people who really are eligible and should be receiving coverage wouldn't, it might not be available for them. There's no way to know how often, but these kinds of violations happen throughout the healthcare system. People who feel they have no other choice bend or break the rules to access care. Tangerine Brigham, the director of San Francisco's so-called universal health care program, says she's aware of that. And when such deception comes to light in her program, she says the offenders are kicked out. But quite frankly, we would rather spend the precious dollars that we have providing service than spend those dollars on administration verifying that the copy of someone's tax return was in fact the one that they actually filed. Brigham thinks we should make public health programs available to more people. We all know that there will be people who gain systems irrespective of what an eligibility rule is, but I believe that that is far and few between and that when people are doing this, it is really because desperation has set in. As for Michael Lee, once he was kicked off the Oregon health plan, he stayed in Portland uninsured for another year before moving across the country for a job that offered health insurance. And it was a real job with real benefits, and it turned out, it turned out good. But many others don't have that option, and some are faced with a choice. Ignore their health care needs or lie. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.